This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Here's a story from the Blue Cliff Record. Once upon a time, three monks were on a pilgrimage with a famous master named Chu Kokushi. At least he was famous then. That's all you, what are you fiddling with, Hope? It's good now. The speaker wasn't working, but now we can hear you. All right. All right. So in any case, three monks are on a pilgrimage to visit a famous teacher. Three monks are named Nansen, Kisu, and Mayoku. Only Nansen uh, goes on to become famous as a cat killer. The others we don't really know anything about. In any case, this is when they're uh, taking place when they're still young monks before any of them have become teachers. But when they stopped Along the way, all of a sudden, Nansen draws a circle on the ground and says, either of you can say something, we will go on. Kisu immediately just sat down in the middle of the circle. Naoku made a bow from the waist. Nansen said, in that case, we won't go. Nansen challenges him. Then, can you say something? Can you say a word of Zen? Is another way it's often put. You might remember other stories in which monks are challenged that way. Famous one includes young Gutai when he's sitting by himself in a hermitage. And an old nun comes by, walks around the hermitage three times and says, if you can say a word of Zen, I'll come in. Gutai just sits there tongue-tied and she leaves, leaving him sitting there feeling very foolish. All that sitting, and he couldn't say a word of Zen. See, in this story, 
nonsense two companions respond quickly and spontaneously. He asks them to say something, but instead they do something. Not an uncommon response in Zen stories. Nansen draws a big circle. Kisu just sits down in the middle of it. The circle is the way. The circle is life as it is. Well, just plop yourself down right in the middle of it. That's where we are. Yoko bows from the waist. We need a note to tell us that monks typically did a full prostration. Bowing from the waist is what a nun did. So he's doing something that is at best ironic or perhaps sarcastic, saying, oh, such a holy circle, I have to bow to it. But he bows to it in a way that, uh, like a nun rather than a monk, sort of, uh, in this case, sort of, it's a kind of mocking gesture. But in any case, it's, a, it's an immediate and spontaneous response. Nonsense as well, when we're not going to go. And sometimes you, you can take that in either of two ways. Either you could say he's disapproving of them and said, I asked you to say something and neither of you said anything, so we're not going to go. Or you can take it to mean Well done. You, if you can respond that uh, quickly and appropriately, what do we need to go see some other teacher for? Everything we need is right here. The challenge to say something or say a word of Zen sort of immediately puts us in a spotlight where it seems like we're supposed to do something special. Whereas really we are only called upon to be ourselves or to do something ordinary. When the nun visited Gutai at his hermitage, all he had to do was politely invite her in for tea. He didn't have to find some special word of Zen that only a monk would know. He just had to realize his ordinary mind was the way. A polite invitation would be just fine. In his sitting, he was very comfortable sitting alone in deep meditation, but he didn't know how to respond to another person. 
he mastered the inside, but got all tongue-tied when challenged by somebody else. Often students today can come with sort of the opposite problem. They can be very assured and masterful in their everyday life, very accomplished, used to having their way and knowing what they're doing. But when they sit down in silence and have to confront their own mind, which may be the most uncontrollable thing they've ever encountered, while sitting still and sitting quietly for a half hour, let alone for a whole day, well, that might get them all entangled and embarrassed and tongue-tied, not knowing how to just sit there. In the past, I've said, Zazen is something you can't do wrong. And that's a kind of half-truth that I try to use to balance out a different way of thinking about our practice. Because obviously, there are all sorts of ways to do this wrong. If somebody comes and sits down in the zendo, and after five minutes scratches their ear, and at 10 minutes picks their nose, and at 15 minutes changes their position, and at 20 minutes gets up to have a drink of water, we say they don't know what they're doing. They're doing it wrong. They, haven't, they don't understand what this is about. Obviously, there's a way in which we're expected to learn that doing zazen means sitting straight, sitting still. So there's obviously a level at which you can do it right or wrong. The trick is to discover the level in which you can't do it wrong. This goes back to the discussions we've had in the last couple weeks about the difference between a problem and a koan. At the level of doing it right or wrong, sitting is a problem. Can I sit still? Am I going to fidget? Is my knee going to hurt so much I'm going to want to get up and move? Those are problems we have, and we have to figure out how to deal with them. And there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with them. But there's another way to approach our setting in which everything that happens, as long as we just sit still and let it happen, everything is simply part of our, our zazen. We're here to sit with our restlessness, sit with our pain, sit with our mind as it is. And we're not trying to change anything, not trying to fix anything. 
We're really just trying to let life manifest just like this, right here, right now. Ordinary mind is the way. But it can take years and years and years to arrive at something that's that simple and that accepting. We can spend a lot of time in our life and in our practice doing it right or doing it wrong. We have trouble ever seeing that there's another way. This too sort of connects with the reading we're going to discuss later this morning about unripe fruit. What does it mean for something to be ready? If someone asks you, are you ready? How do you answer? At the level of a problem, you can try to suddenly examine yourself. Am I prepared? Am I ready for this? Can I do it? Do I know what they want me to do? Am I able to do that? Or is, am I going to get in over my head? Somebody says, uh, can you give the Dharma talk today? Are you ready? Huh? Most people would say, hey, wait a minute. I haven't prepared anything. I can't do that. Huh? And it's a problem. But another kind of readiness is the readiness where you can't miss. It's the readiness of that willingness to simply show up to the situation and letting it go however it goes and responding however you respond. In that sense, you can't be anything but ready. But you have to be willing to simply take what comes, whatever that will be. Sometimes in Sashin, they would end Sashin with the admonition, you know, life and death are of supreme importance. Time passes quickly with our only chance. Pay attention to each moment's teaching. Do not squander your life. And it can sound very fierce and very scary. You know? If you don't do this right, if you don't solve your koan, if you don't, can't answer, what is move? You'll have squandered your life very clearly a right and wrong way to be. And at the end of the Sandokai, it says, to those who wish to be awakened, do not waste your time by night or day. Some ways it sounds like the same thing, do not squander your life. 
But in both cases, we can hear it differently. We can take it as a koan instead of as a problem. Just like being ready doesn't have to be referred to any particular condition at all. Just be present. How can a life be squandered? Are you supposed to get from here to there? And if you don't make it, you're a failure? You've wasted your time? How can time be wasted? See, if you wish to be awakened, realize you can't waste your time by night or day. Every moment, just as it is, regardless of its content, is displaying Buddha nature, the reality of interconnection, of impermanence, of just this, the lesson is repeating itself over and over, regardless of what's happening. If you're awakened, you see you can't waste any moment. Your life can't be squandered. The fruit is always ripe. 